1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to pray, ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we can gather in this place today. I thank you for just the time of worship. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, just how incredible it is, Lord, that we can open up your word, that we can know your heart, we can know your ways, Lord God. We can know what you are saying to us, Lord God, how you're calling us to live. Lord, we know that your word is living and active. And Lord, I pray that it would come alive afresh in our hearts, Lord God, this morning. Lord, that your truth, God, would, would just um, go forth, Lord God, into our hearts. That, Lord, your word would go forth and accomplish that which you would desire, I pray. And Lord, I also just pray that uh, for the children's ministries this morning, Lord God, as they begin in a more formal capacity today, I just pray, Lord God, that your spirit would be poured out upon those children, upon the teachers. We thank you for their faithfulness, their willingness to, to sow into the lives of these, these uh, children, Lord God, teaching them your ways, teaching them your word. So, Lord, we just pray for uh, really blessed times, Lord, each and every Sunday as the children gather, that they would have a heart and knowledge Heart for you and a knowledge of you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For as long as I can remember, around this time of year, this kind of summer period, the uh, Australian Open tennis has been a staple in my household. Whether that was growing up and that was, you know, uh, thanks to my mum and to her mum, my nana, for their, their love of tennis. So it's always been on this time of year and uh, my wife and I, we also really enjoy uh, just these couple of weeks watching the tennis. And uh, over the years, there's been uh, a few of our favorite players that we really enjoy watching. And they all possess certain qualities or characteristics, if you like, that have caused them to be some of the greatest players who have ever played the game. And one of these that we've enjoyed watching this week, he's playing tonight, seems to have been around forever. Raphael Nadal. And for all his quirks and idiosyncrasies, there are many, many things that I love and appreciate and respect about the way he goes about his business. You know, he's got this incredible work ethic. He's got um, this ability to just uh, play with and respond with humility. He's got great sportsmanship, always very gracious in victory or defeat, is what I've witnessed over a long period of time. Never see him reacting or throwing stones at the umpire or abuse or anything like that. He has this tenacity, this incredible ability to never give up. That when there are pressure situations, when there are times of testing throughout the match, he seems to find a way to just take a position of seeming defeat and turn it into a victory. Even this week, we were watching, it was a scorching day down in Melbourne, uh, the other player he was playing got right on top and was playing really well. And Rafa Nadal was at his back to the wall. He was in a high-pressure situation, a time of testing. He was in physical discomfort. The commentators tactfully said that they were stomach issues. We don't need to think, dwell too much there. But he was in a place that was less than ideal, back-to-the-wall kind of stuff, in which there was a choice to, to give up or to press on. He was able to find a way to push through that place and walk away with the victory. 
That sort of place, that, that place of testing, if you like, that place of pressure reveals something. Reveals something about what's in here. And here, and our, our character, if you like. It reveals what tools are in the tool bag, as it were. Tools and strategies and strength built up over many years that can be drawn from and called upon in those moments. And in a similar vein, in our lives of faith, there are also times of testing. There are also places of pressure, perhaps difficulties, perhaps just circumstances that arise that we're not expecting that throw us a little bit. Perhaps it's those, those dry seasons or the wilderness seasons that we walk through, times of testing, and all those things will reveal what is in here. What sort of foundation that we have. Like an athlete, like Nadal and all the other top players need certain tools in their toolkit, strategies to utilize, strength that is honed and built up over the years. So as followers of Jesus, there are some tools or keys that we can grab hold of and utilize to go through the process, the time of testing and come into the promises, to move from a place of defeat into a place of victory in him. So let's read together from 1 Samuel chapter 30, a time of testing for, for David. Now, when David and his men, verse 1, came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and pursued, and the story goes on, but we'll leave it there. David had found himself in a less than ideal place, a place of testing, back to the wall kind of stuff. Perhaps he too had some stomach issues as he considered the magnitude of what had happened. But how he came through this time of testing and pressing revealed something about his life and his faith. It revealed a certain history with God. And you know, it should be an encouragement and an example for us today. An invitation even for us to step into in terms of how we live and how we respond to the things that are going on in our lives and how we can come into all that the Lord has for us. This was some situation to find himself in. Now, I'm sure that we've all heard of 2D and 3D 
even 4D, I think, perhaps. But this was a 5D situation David found himself in. Not 5G, but 5D situation. A place that seemed like it was a place of defeat, distress, discouragement, disappointment, and despair. What do we do as God's people in times of testing? In times when we too are faced with defeat, distress, discouragement, disappointment, and despair. Perhaps this morning you find yourself in that kind of place. A time of testing, a time of discouragement or disappointment. Perhaps you've just come out the other side, perhaps with a bit of a limp. You've come out of that place. Perhaps you will find yourself in that sort of place at some point in the future. But what we do and how we come through and, and what we build into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, to enable us to walk through these seasons is crucial. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. Uh, one translation said, Who endures the time of testing. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What we do and how we come through times of testing is crucial. As we consider this passage, it's important to just look at a little bit of the context where David's been at, and of course he's in a wilderness season. But, but some 10, 15 years prior to that, scholars believe, that's kind of the time frame we're looking at. He was, of course, anointed as king, anointed as the next king. He was given this incredible promise, this holy calling. We could say that that was a, a real mountaintop experience in his life, receiving this promise and word of God over his life about his destiny and where he was heading. The future looked bright for the man after God's own heart. But then Saul gets a bit jealous as it's clear that the Lord's hand is now upon David's life. You know, people are singing that, yeah, Saul's slain his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands, you know. He's increasing in favor with God and man. So Saul begins to pursue him in the wilderness. He begins to, to seek to, to harm him and, and ultimately destroy him. On the run in the wilderness, seemingly a long way from the promise and the purposes of God. He was rejected by the king, rejected by the enemies, if you read the passage or chapter or two prior to this, the Philistines said, no, go away. He was rejected even by those closest to him, those that he's invested into, his mighty men. Yet the Lord is there. How many of us know that the process to see the promise realized is a journey? It involves testing along the way. And if we're honest... Certainly, I'm speaking for this. It's less palatable than we would like at times. Yet those times of testing, times of wilderness seasons are crucial in that process to come into the promise and all that God has for us. So he's in this place called Ziklag. It was a defining moment and a defining place for David, a place where he was being pressed to reveal 
what was on the inside, to reveal what was in here. Bill Johnson puts it this way. He says that that David was in fact tested by coming into circumstances that directly contradicted God's word over his life. I believe that there may be some here this morning for whom that is the case. You found yourself in that place where the word that God has spoken, the promises of God over your life or over your family perhaps, which you've kind of received and hung on to, the place that you may be in or what things look like maybe over here and God's word or promises over here. Where things may be out look very different. Now, let me encourage you this morning to hold on to him, to hold on to the Lord, to hold on to his promises. And let me say, I'm preaching to myself here this morning as well, because he is the one who is faithful. He is the one who will not let us go. He is the one who is greater than the giants in the land, the mountains that may be currently in our way. As Matt King preached a couple of weeks ago, he is the one who restores hope. You know, I don't say this lightly or flippantly or as a cliche, you know. But as I open up Scripture and as I read this history of God's faithfulness, written all over its pages, are just story after story of God's power, of His faithfulness, of His promises, of His steadfast love, of His deliverance, of His salvation. It's the truth this morning. So can I just encourage, I feel there may be some people here, maybe one, maybe more, for whom that is the case, that, that the, the circumstances you find yourself in seem to be way, way, way away from the word of God, the promises of God that have been spoken over your life. Hold on to the one who is faithful. Because in times of testing, in all manner of the, the 5D situations we find ourselves in, there is always a choice before us. And I want to encourage us this morning, myself included, in a few keys for times of testing. First of all, there is a place for pouring out our hearts to the Lord. There is a place for pouring out our hearts to the Lord. Verse 4, they, David and the people, they raised their voices. They wept, they cried out to God until they had nothing more left. There is a place for pouring out our hearts to the Lord, for being honest with Him, for crying out to Him, for expressing those things that we're wrestling with or struggling with, the pain and the hurt and the frustration. In fact, around around one-third of the Psalms are, in fact, Psalms of lament. Psalms where the writers would just pour out their hearts to God, this honest cry before Him. However, when we pour out our hearts to the Lord, there's a, a right way to go about it and a wrong way to go about it. We can end up wallowing or we can end up worshipping. We can end up wallowing or end up worshipping. In the Psalms of Lament that I mentioned, many of them, the writers, they pour out their complaint, they pour out their hearts to God. But many of them, and we don't have time to kind of do a study through all the different Psalms of Lament, but many of them come to this place where there will be a phrase or there will be something that the writer pens, you know, just to, to lift their gaze to turn their hearts again to the Lord. In the midst of the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the discouragement, there is a, you know, a a, but God, you are worthy. 
But God, you are faithful. Yet I will praise you. Yet I will trust in you. Yet I will hope in you, my God. The purpose of pouring out our heart to God is to then draw us back to him. To not to just have a rant, vomit all out and then just sign off. But it's to express our trust and draw us near again to the Lord. Look where it leaves David's, leads David's men. They've poured out their complaint. They've poured out their hearts. And it leads them to a place of wallowing. A place of being bitter in soul, the Bible says. A place of picking up stones ready to stone poor David. But look at where it leads David. I love what comes out of his heart from this situation of despair and discouragement and distress. This place of pressure and testing. He didn't react But he responded. And this is what I want to encourage us in. Yes, there's a place for pouring out our hearts to the Lord. But will we be a people who react or who respond? In times of testing, wilderness seasons, in times of discouragement and distress and disappointment, all the 5D situations, we can react out of a place of fear, out of a place of pain, out of a place of bitterness of soul, which needs to be dealt with, by the way, that bitterness. We can react to the work of the enemy. We can react to what he is doing or what he has done. He burned the city and the enemy had come and taken off their wives and everything there. We can react or we can respond to the Lord. We can respond to who he is. We can respond to what he has done, to what he is doing and what he is saying. In times of testing, in times of defeat and distress and discouragement and disappointment or despair, will we be a people who simply react, pick up the stones, become bitter, become so focused on the enemy and what the enemy is doing, or will we be a people who respond to the Lord? Because reacting will get our eyes and our focus away from where it should be. We'll get it off the Lord, and it actually fuels and feeds fear. Contrary to reacting, responding is this heart posture of humility and trust that keeps our focus in the right place because we are looking to the Lord. In this place of pressure and testing, David doesn't react by grumbling, complaining, by defending himself, by picking up some of his own stones to fire back. He had a pretty good aim, by the way. Remember Goliath? But he responds. He responds by strengthening himself in the Lord. A key for us in our lives of faith, particularly in times of testing, is learning to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. That's what I want to encourage us in as well this morning. I love what it says. Verse 6. All the stuff going on around him, all the noise, all the distress, all the stones getting ready to be thrown. Puts all that aside and says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. The Amplified says, strengthened and encouraged himself in the Lord. I believe this is a time for us as his people to learn, for us to learn what it is to strengthen ourselves in him. And, you know, to be honest, I'd love if the text just gave a little bit more insight into what it looked like. Was it like, hang on guys, I'm just going to grab my harp for a second. I'm just going to pop out and sing some songs and get me in that place where I... I don't know what it looked like, but, but what I 
what I believe it looked like was this beautiful picture of, uh, that reflected a heart turned towards the Lord. Responding to him, look, the situation is before me. I'm not feeling the love right now. But, Lord, I come before you. Lord, I remember that you are faithful. You have shown yourself faithful. Lord, I remember that you have delivered me before from the lion and the bear. Lord, you, have, you are my shepherd and I shall not want. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lord, I remember Goliath, how you slain him. We did it together, Lord God. I remember your promises, things like this, stirring his heart to strengthen himself in the Lord. The encouragement and the strength that David needed in that moment could only come from the Lord. Everyone else had rejected and turned against him. And I want to say for us this morning that the encouragement and the strength that we truly need can only come from him. As we fill our gaze with the greatness of of who our God is, as we set our hearts upon him. Because anything else just won't cut it. Anything else will be maybe a, a quick fix or a temporary high at best. But when we learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, turn to him, that is when we grow and are strengthened and are able to come through. For David... Perhaps over this time of testing, the process of waiting to see the promise fulfilled. I kind of think that perhaps it was a time where the the songs that he'd written, the psalms that he had penned, became more than just, just lyrics or words, but rather became the truth that he lived by and anchored into and held onto. And I want to suggest that for us, As his people, there comes a point, and maybe it's a defining moment that happens, or maybe it happens from time time to time, or time and time again as we come back to that place. But there there comes a point where what we've heard about the Lord, what we've read about him in Scripture, where what we've sung about him, proclaimed who he is in our worship, where that becomes more than just theories, words, or concepts, or head knowledge, but actually instead becomes truth that we hold on to, that we anchor into, that we stake our lives upon, and that is actually going to strengthen and encourage us in any of these 5D times that we may find ourselves in. You know, towards the end of last year at our celebration service, myself and Catherine and Andrew uh, just shared our reflections on the year, and I I shared um, that... Uh, over the last season, the last little while, that something that has been, uh, something I've been walking through has been just learning or wrestling with keeping discouragement and disappointment at bay. Just being honest this morning. It's something that can come if we're not careful, if we're not guarding our hearts. And that's something that I know for me has, has been a thing over this last season, learning to keep it at bay. And if I'm really honest... I'd love to say to you this morning, oh yeah, I just poured out my heart to God and strengthened myself and it was all. No, there hasn't been those times. There have been moments where I have not dealt with that as well as I would like. There's a journey that I'm on as well, learning what it is to strengthen myself in the Lord. There have been times when you know, pouring out my heart to God has, has led to wallowing, has led to complaint rather than worshipping. 
I don't want to say to you this morning, I want to get to this place, learn to grow to this place, as I pray all of us do, of learning what it is to strengthen ourselves in Him. To feed our souls. In Psalm 37, it talks about feeding on His faithfulness, that we would feed our souls and strengthen our souls on who He is. Because the Lord desires to bring us to a place where He becomes our first port of call. And as part of strengthening himself in the Lord, next encouragement for us this morning, we see David inquiring of the Lord. As part of David's response, he inquires of the Lord. He seeks him. He turns his ear and his heart towards him. He calls for the ephod, the only thing that was on hand because Saul had destroyed all the priests and all this stuff. It was the only thing on hand that represented the priesthood or the place of God's dwelling place at that time, the ephod. So it's like in doing so, he's moving beyond the noise, beyond the stuff going on around him, and finding his way to the place of God's presence. Lord, what are you saying? What should I do? Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. He turns to the one who has the answers. I believe for us that is key. Turning as a first port of call to the one who indeed has the answers. And the Lord is faithful. He leads him. He says, yep, you shall go. You shall go and and pursue them and overtake them. Let's read very quickly in verse 18 and 19 of 1 Samuel 30. It says, David, he pursued, he struck them down, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. And David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him. He said, this is David's spoil. God is a God of restoration and of victory. Restoration and then some. <laughs> they plundered the enemy. Not long after this time, David stepped into his promise. He became king. After this pressing or this testing, this Facing this 5D situation, he comes through. It's like he passes the test. This place of pressing, what came forth, enabled him to pass the test, to navigate the wilderness years and this defining experience here at Ziklag. He had this ability to respond, not react. He had this ability to know what it was to strengthen himself in the Lord, turning to him. And through that time of testing, there was a, there was a depth of faith. And so maybe, just maybe, for us as God's people today, many thousands of years later, maybe the times of testing are not times to give up or throw in the towel. But maybe, just maybe, they have a purpose. They bring a perspective. They bring a greater depth of faith, a a greater closeness of our walk with the Lord. Would you turn with me just as we bring this to a close this morning, just to 1 Peter, chapter 1. Can we have uh, Brendan and Carolyn come come up to play? That would be great. Is where I want to land at this morning. 
First Peter chapter one verse three. Just let that wonderful, rich truth sink in this morning. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading." Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found. To result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This morning, as we finish up, I want to encourage us. We have a living hope. We have a living hope that in times of testing, in wilderness seasons, times of discouragement, disappointment, despair, all those things, we have a living hope. It's not just some kind of wishful thinking, some concept, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a hope that is alive and as well. No matter what the circumstances, we have a hope in Jesus and we can hold fast to that. Because of this hope, because of this inheritance in Him, an inheritance that the Bible says that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, Isn't that amazing? Because of this, we can rejoice even in times of testing and trial. I love what it says in verse 7. That the tested genuineness of our faith. Isn't that just a, a beautiful phrase? The tested genuineness of our faith. I remember many years ago, my, my dad been overseas for a business trip. He'd come home with a Rolex and it was it looked really nice. It looked you know, pretty fancy. I thought it was amazing as a young boy growing up. It wasn't a real Rolex though. Many years later I remember flying out overseas somewhere and looking at the Rolex shop at the airport. I think the cheapest one I saw was about $100,000 worth. That is genuine and tested and tried and true not fake. Isn't this a beautiful phrase? The tested genuineness of our faith. Not a cheap, fake Rolex, but the real deal. May we be a people who have a genuineness about our faith. Not shallow, not superficial, not flaky or lacking substance, but may we be a people who are genuine and authentic. The kind of faith that stands up under testing. The kind of faith that when all around, maybe people are picking up stones, when all around there is distress and despair and discouragement, whatever it is, that we can move from that place to a place of strengthening ourselves in the Lord, inquiring after Him, turning our attention, responding to Him. It's this kind of faith that reflects and represents Jesus well to this world who so desperately needs to encounter him.
And ultimately, as we go through times of testing, as we learn to to pour out our hearts before the Lord that lead us to a place of worship, as we learn to strengthen ourselves in Him, as we learn to inquire of the Lord, respond, not react. Ultimately, it's this kind of faith, this tested, genuine faith. This is the aim. This is the goal. That it would result in praise and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. In times of testing, we have a God who is strong enough, who is faithful enough to carry us through. May times of testing become testimonies of triumph as we learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, as we allow Him to work in us so that He would be praised, so that He would be honored, so that He would be glorified. I'd like to uh, stand this morning, if you can. just take a moment to focus our attention upon the Lord. I'd like to open up your hands. Welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As you touch hearts, Lord, all across this place. morning, if you find yourself in a place of testing, or in one or more of those 5D situations I talked about, a place of despair, defeat, discouragement, disappointment, distress, if you find yourself in that place, would you just be brave enough just to raise your hand? I just want to pray and bless you this morning. Raise your hand. Believe that the Lord is wanting to minister to hearts all across this place. Specifically, if you if you feel like you know you're at a place where you, you need, you desire to be strengthened in the Lord this morning, just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray this morning all across this room for those who raise their hands, responding to you. Lord, who find themselves in the, the time of testing, the place of pressure, the place of seeming defeat or discouragement or disappointment, despair. Lord, this morning I pray that you would touch each and every heart. I pray, Lord God, that you would just cause just that living hope that I mentioned just before to arise and be stirred afresh in their hearts, Lord God. I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, this morning, that you would strengthen us in you, Lord God. I pray that you would lift off discouragement, 
Lord, even depression this morning, I pray that that would be lifted off, Lord God. And that, Lord, in place of that would be your encouragement, Lord God. Would be your truth, Lord God. Would be your perspective, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that this would be a time, Lord God, of of actually drawing near to you. Lord, of our faith growing stronger, Lord God. Lord, there would be a sense of authenticity and genuineness, Lord God, that would result in bringing praise and honor and glory to you, Lord. We ask for your help this morning. And I ask that you would move all across this place. We would leave this place a little or a lot different than when we came in, Lord God. And even as we go into our week, Lord, we would be just more aware of you, more aware of this hope that we have in you. You would teach us what it is to strengthen ourselves in you, Lord God. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are with us, Lord God, that you don't leave us nor forsake us. So as we go from here, we honor you, we bless you. I bless each person here with the grace of the Lord Jesus, with the love of the Father, with the fellowship, the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray all this in Jesus' matchless, precious name. Amen.